Support for this program is provided by Chevron. I'm Annie Snyder. This is Politico Energy. As we heard earlier this week from Gavin Bade, helping clean energy production grow quickly, while at the same time wanting to do it with American-made products, is a huge challenge for the Biden administration. But this challenge isn't limited just to the solar power industry. This story is about uh, clean energy tax credits and the provisions that are written into the package that advanced out of the House. And really, you know, it underscores the challenge that the Biden administration faces right now in building up a domestic supply chain across its clean energy industries. So, you know, not just solar, but offshore wind, which is really in its infancy in the U.S. And and some of the challenges there about how the industry is going to be able to, you know, meet certain domestic content requirements, but at the same time, you know, expanding the industry and building up uh, offshore wind facilities so that they can meet the Biden administration's broader climate goals. So today, Kelsey Tamperino on the chicken or egg problem tax writers are facing as they try to grow a clean energy sector that's made in America. It's Thursday, September 30th. So as you say, um, building up American manufacturing around green energy production is a big priority for the Biden administration, right? So what is its plan for doing that? The Biden administration itself has really emphasized the need to have domestic content requirements and prevailing wage. And so that is one way of going about this. You know, the Biden administration itself has acknowledged this challenge earlier this week. Amanda Lefton, um, who is the director of the of BOEM, which is the agency in charge of offshore wind, uh, discussed this issue and kind of framed it as a challenge and an opportunity. But Point Blake said, you know, right now the offshore wind industry in the U.S. doesn't have the components and the manufacturing in place to build the supply chain here. Um, and that's going to be, you know, a challenge going forward. So the tax credits sound like they're a crucial piece of the puzzle. Is that the only piece? So the tax credits are not the only piece of the puzzle. The proposed clean electricity performance program that is also working its way through Congress right now, that's seen as another essential piece to accelerating the deployment of clean energy. But I think the tax credits have historically been something that the clean energy industry has relied on to really ramp up production and deployment. And this legislation and what lawmakers are considering right now would be a long-term extension of those credits. And vitally, it would include the direct pay option for some of these credits that the industry takes advantage of. In simplified terms, that just really means that projects can take advantage of the tax credits that don't have uh, tax liability or have little tax liability. So they don't have to rely on big banks to really accelerate and take advantage of these products. In the case of these tax credits that worked its way out of Ways and Means and what we've seen in the Finance Committee, they would tie that direct pay option to domestic content requirements, meaning that the projects have to meet a 55% threshold of of its cost being manufactured in the U.S. So you say that this is an extension of current tax credits, uh, and I know that it gets a bit complicated, but would this be a bonus or extra credit for companies that are meeting these domestic manufacturing requirements from the from the tax credits that they're currently getting now? Or would they be taking a hit to what they're currently getting um, under the existing tax credits if they don't meet these domestic production requirements. So this is really the sticking point, I think. But the way that the the bill that passed out of the Ways and Means Committee right now is structured, um, 
it would set apprenticeship and prevailing wage requirement to the full value of the tax breaks that the industry has been taking advantage of now. If they don't, they'll get a tax rate that is one-fifth of that value. So So that would be essentially taking a hit from where they are now? Yes, correct, if they don't meet those apprenticeship and prevailing wage requirements. Separately, though, the bill puts in place boosts for domestic content requirements, so those projects that meet that 55% threshold. And that is tied to the direct pay requirement. So again, if the facilities don't meet the domestic content requirements by 2024, they cannot take the 100% full value of the direct pay option, which they've been calling for for months. So uh, I'm intrigued also by this domestic sourcing issue that you describe. Um, It sounds like availability of American-made iron and steel is an issue, maybe particularly for the wind industry. And this, you know, as a reporter who covers the you know EPA regulatory programs. Um, this seems like another area where there's potentially tension between the Biden administration's various priorities, the priorities around domestic manufacturing and green energy versus their priorities around like environmental justice. I mean, those steel mills are often major pollution sources in communities that are disproportionately low income minority communities. What's the what's going on with that side of things, the domestic sourcing piece? Yeah, that's a really interesting and good point. Um, the clean energy tax credits in general, that passed out of the House Ways and Means Committee did have considerations for environmental justice. But just in terms of, you know, these specific domestic content requirements, that is not something that I've heard come up a lot. The offshore wind industry in the U.S. is expected to rely heavily on international supply chains for most of its components for the foreseeable future, right? So this is going to be something that, you know, the U.S. industry really has to wade through. And, and, it, and so far, we have seen some agreements come out of, you know, some of these offshore wind companies with labor unions. And that's something that they're really saying they're supportive of and they want to include labor unions going forward. But I do think there's room to do more in terms of environmental justice on this issue. Also, after years of construction, the controversial International Line 3 pipeline is finally completed. On Wednesday, Canadian company Enbridge said the pipeline was finally completed and that it would start transporting oil from Alberta to Wisconsin later this week. Line 3, which is set to replace an older pipeline, was started eight years ago, but environmentalists had hoped the Biden administration would put the project to a halt in its final stages. But unlike with Keystone XL, the Biden administration stayed out of the fight. In fact, the Justice Department has continued to defend the project in ongoing court battles. Environmental groups still have a shot at stopping the pipeline, though. They have ongoing litigation challenging a key water crossing permit issued by the Army Corps of Engineers. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morningenergy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Annie Snyder, and we'll see you tomorrow. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Did you know that Chevron supports the ambitions of the Paris Agreement? In fact, they've even tied their executives' compensation to lowering the carbon emissions intensity of their operations. Because it's only human to help power a brighter future.